sharpens everybody out there in dreamland. Namaste and shalom. Iron sharpens iron, and a friend sharpens a friend. I am the Beyond Top Secret Texan. You're listening to the Beyond Top Secret Texan podcast. Thank you all very, very much. And thank you most sincerely, those that have supported me. Listeners, since the very beginning, listeners new and old... No matter how many of the past episodes you have listened to, whether you have completed the full archives or listened to each episode every day as it dropped, or maybe this is your first episode, thank you for joining us. If it is, you're welcome with open arms to the greatest audience out there in Dreamland, which you are now a part of. Maybe you have listened to a few episodes and are tuning back in. Kind of checking things out. I definitely, definitely uh, do recommend listening to the other episodes in the archive of the uh, library of past episodes. A lot of great information we have covered there. And it's from that great information that we're going to be building up this next episode, this newer entry. For the holidays, for Christmas, I think it's just uh, du jour to do something or to make some kind of holiday gesture, even though Christmas is not uh, so much my favorite holiday, but we will do a ambitious 12 days of Christmas type broadcasting special event. Just to kind of get into the holiday spirit. 12 days of Christmas represented by 12 uploads, 12 new episodes uploaded, one each day until the Christmas Day. And it's just going to be, you know, a nice little, nice little uh, festivity. No, Feliz Navidad. There's no reason to be, uh, you know, Scrooge or anything. In fact, I think uh, getting into the holiday spirit, at least superficially, and not buying into the veneer is much more dignified and honorable than buying into the veneer and not the holiday spirit not a terrible holiday like all holidays are not really terrible holidays all holidays are ultimately very you know heartwarming and life affirming and you know based on you know the best of human nature and everything but um christmas has a very sharp double-edged sword in which it's also very uh, consumerist and very uh competitive keeping up with the joneses and artificial and etc very cheesy and um you know it's just uh, just a lot of bullshit in a lot of cases. And I think that's very clearly telegraphed in watching old Christmas movies is that it's very anxiety-driven and miserable and, and un- unhappy and, um, in fact, very chaotic um, of a holiday in which, completely ironically, since the intention is the opposite. And to be this very routine, traditional anchor point, kind of connected to a faux, ancient, uh, humanitarian uh, ideal. 
of uh, brotherly love and charity and, you know, kindness and, and, and uh, the holiday spirit. Uh, while divorcing itself from, like, all attachment to Christianity, right? It is, like, it's just absolutely the kind of sharpest double-edged sword because it's so hypocritical and that's why it fails. But in this kind of festivity mindset, we're going to go with this 12 Days of Christmas release event in which we're going to release 12 individual episodes on the 12 days prior to Christmas as my gift to you, the audience. This episode is going to be about, I guess, I guess maybe more nebulously about um, the current picture of the world in its timeline, the kind of great theory of everything in which it connects the different dots that we've kind of crossed over the last year, and um, kind of the new way we see the world. Now, that can be broken up over the 12 episodes, now that I'm saying it out loud, so this one will be more focused on how Tartaria kind of affects and redefines the the world that we deal with in the timeline, but also how that connects a lot of things. And um, ultimately, we'll see how that just kind of reaffirms and connects a lot of the dots. This is going to be kind of a shorter firm episode, um, only really shooting for an hour of uh, speaking, whereas my older episodes, of course, you know, range to the two and three hour marks uh, as deep dives. This is more of just an affirmation of Tartaria as a subject, and I, I kind of hesitate to say Tartaria as a subject. Mud flood, ancient, uh, antiquitech, uh, you know, good old Atlantis, you know, that that's always a good one. Um, that we've been using for the last uh, century or, or more to kind of describe this ideal, highly advanced, now lost, ancient empire of advanced technology and advanced mindsets, advanced philosophy. A political utopia as well as a unstoppable war machine. In many ways, a honest embodiment of ideal human performance. As enigmatic of their, uh, for, for their success, and their worldwide conquests as they are mysterious for their sudden disappearance. From history, from the timeline, from the current world around us. Now, We've done our best to try to answer that before, and we've spoken about the subject before on the Beyond Top Secret Texan podcast. I have um, several times on several episodes ranging in through the year. It's quickly becoming one of my favorite subjects, and I believe that, you know, just as a station announcement, this is going to become a pillar of the broadcasts. Uh, the subjects are going to contain a good... Um, 
and healthy focus on this recovery of lost world technology. It's a lost world uh, empire as well as uh, the publicity of content that focuses on um, mud flood type, mud fossil type, uh, you know, even Atlantean lore, um, articles, references, discoveries, etc. As, you know, I compile them into a succinct and well-organized timeline. Everything from, you know, modern news stories about discoveries of, you say, submerged cities in the Mediterranean to um, discoveries in the world of physics when it comes to wireless energies. You know, all, all is interconnected and can be proof of the viability of this theory, which I already fully embrace and understand that it's not a controversial statement for myself to say I believe in this, but that it serves to better educate and entertain, um, you know, you, the listener, uh, with these arguments. You know, of course, I highly encourage everyone to do their own research. I highly encourage you to um, watch as much content as you can from other sources on YouTube or BitChute or, you know, Library Odyssey, whatever your video source is. This is a legitimate study. It's picking up a lot of momentum. It's gaining in popularity. And this is going to be the next um, conspiracy theory in line with uh, ancient aliens or in line with... Um, um, you know, um, the the RH negative bloodline uh, mystery that that's currently uh, you know taking the world uh, over when it comes to popularity. It's known globally. These conspiracy theories are stepping out of the realm of the obscure and the fringe and into the world of the mainstream. Uh, Tartaria is being spoken about in major publications, major news publications. It's being called the QAnon of archaeology. It's being called the QAnon of ancient antiquity studies, for example. Uh, Much like the Anunnaki chariots of the gods uh, when it came out in the 1970s. And that is what we're seeing right now is the publicity, or the, the creation, the formation of the very first years of this ancient Tartaria uh, theory, which in itself I think is like a Mandela effect. Because before 2012, and I was a very hip person online, daily, and in very astute circles, which were much more productive when it came to information, distribution of information, the attitudes towards controversial and I guess you would call it conspiracy theory material and uh, you know, versus the the concepts of gatekeeping or paywall access or whatever and or censorship even from the platforms themselves and this was you know, uh, pre-2012 so this is, you know before 2012, being in the conspiracies, being in conspiracy circles, uh, online using my resources, etc., an uncensored internet era, an uncensored era, prized for uh, the 
promotion of outrageous material. I don't have one single recollection of encountering Tartaria or anything mentioning Tartaria or this idea of a world-conquering empire using advanced technology in the ancient eras. I just don't. Then after 2012, you see it's a merger, and I believe the first time I really started paying attention and taking notice of it was around um, 20, I want to say 2017, 2018, because by 2019, I firmly knew about Tartaria, and in fact, um, was already, you know, on board with Florida Mackey's uh, videos of Antarctica and the empires down there, um, referencing this kind of uh, Pentagon, Pentagon network around the world that was developed in the ancient, um, um, the ancient world, as well as uh, videos like uh, Roger from Kansas City, which is speaking about the remains of giants photographed from the sky. So by 2019, I'm very uh, firmly, you know, aware of Tartaria. So these theories that I'm saying now, and the reason why I say that is not to brag, but the reason why I say that is because it's very recent. It's very recent. And the reason why I'm saying that now is because the theories that I've created, the theories that I uh, created the channel with and the podcast with, you know, a year ago to uh, speak about it and to kind of like uh, create the content that I thought needed to be created and needed to be spoken about, this was already factored in. This was already a part of my reasoning. This was already a part of the research that I had uh, performed and was already part of the truths that I had known. This is not new to me. Um, it's interesting. It's still, there are aspects being discovered that are not only new to me, but new to the entirety of the field around them. And yes, research is being done currently, and so yes, new, new developments are always being made. You know, new dots are always being connected. You know, pictures are being seen for the first time that may have been there since the beginning. But the formulation of the timeline of the world as I had had it, as I had created it with Solar Warden, is not um, is not destabilized. In fact, it's reinforced because the technologies that we use in Solar Warden or the technologies inherited from these antiquitech societies um, that were in fact using alien technology. It's the reason why they were able to achieve such their uh, their engineering prowess and might was because they had access to alien technology. The alien technology was created literally by aliens for human use and that the secret is in that one piece of the puzzle that is being ignored by researchers such as the um, enlightened mind or the unlimited mind, sorry, the unlimited mind. Uh, the, you know, uh, Tartarian researchers that, that exist on YouTube that are getting a lot of credit and getting a lot of press are doing great work 
mind you, they are doing excellent work finding material, finding evidence. We all have different parts to play. You know, a university isn't one person. Neither is a school of thought or a discipline. You know, there's not one guy inventing all the math. It's a group of people working together, like-minded individuals, great minds thinking alike. The concept, though, is that I'm seeing that most of them, most of them, 9 out of 10 of them, are not including extraterrestrials as a reality to this world. They're not seeing the big picture. They are seeing it uh, a much bigger picture than, say, people who live in the absolute nihilist and atheistic world that the Rockefeller education system wants to live in. Yes, like they are, they are breaking the, the matrix of the Freemasonic prison, yes. Well, most of them are. <laughs> Some of them are. But, uh, you know, I think a lot of them are... You know, they're willing to take that step into saying that the history of the world is not what we believe it to be, but yet they think that other things are just purely science fiction. Um, this is not the case. The best work I've seen, though, is, you know, I'm, I'm going to take a jab and then and, you know, congratulating him, is that online mind uh, is piecing the pieces together, piecing the, the, the puzzle together. By including cryptids and by including uh, concepts like the Fey folk or the Sasquatch in realms of ancient European anthropology uh, into greater human anthropology and to piecing the greater picture of the United States together as competing nations um, of, of people but all advanced and, and basically competing over the New World, not the way it's been taught to us but the truth which is as advanced nations of societies able to use etheric and electrical weaponry air travel and um, who were giant in stature both of mind and physicality you know that that is absolutely accurate so the, the contested issue is that Tartaria conflicts with ancient aliens or conflicts with the current alien realities or current galactic um, um, no, uh, galactic uh, alliance galactic uh, realities the celestial neighborhood the solar warden the you know, Astra High Command, the Galactic Federation of Light. That's the that's the the name I was just slightly blinked out of for a second. The Galactic Federation of Light. That those are like uh, more in league with Project Bluebeam, or more in league with uh, this information because the truth is that humans in you know in these in these uh, researchers opinions that humans are the only intelligent beings that exist on earth regardless of that earth is much larger uh, has lost continents has you know we are just one small island uh, and in the overall, Earth that's 100 times, you know, grander in scale and complexity and 
um, you know, has so many more nations of, of advanced, but humans, but, but still humans, you know, like advanced humans, but still humans, um, who may be gigantic in stature, and that all these things like uh, anti-gravity flight, uh, wireless power, um, time travel, even hypothesized subterranean empires, that they exist, but they exist strictly as the invention of the sole intelligent species to have evolved on this planet, mankind. And it's different spectrums of being in reality from being the very short, uh, you know, humans are the very tall humans to the very wide humans to the very skinny humans to the very smart humans to the very strong humans, but all ultimately humans. This is not entirely inaccurate of a way of interpreting the world as it's been played out, but the one key factor that it misses is the extraterrestrial component because... It's going so far as to include the occult. It's going so far as to include the astral and the metaphysical and including cosmology interpretations that are akin to the Vedic worlds. It is accurate in saying that the race of human beings that was responsible for using technologies which to today are more advanced than those we have access to, you know, both in the general public and in so many cases the advanced militaries, advanced scientific communities of the world. You know, I'm thinking about things like CERN, I'm thinking things like, you said, electric gravity, um, you know, room temperature fusion, cold fusion as it's been called, um, you know, um, cures for various cancers and, and diseases and ailments life like expanding you know treatments uh, medically that these things are um, you know wireless transfer of energy and, and information um, zero point energy that these things were possible at one point, strictly because human beings existed in an elevated state of mankind, mentally, but yet through some mysterious decline and downfall, human beings, which had invented the system, lost the system. And have suppressed and hidden this system from our very selves for the ends, apparently, to keep the majority of the world ignorant of their true potential and to keep a very small elite select. Of illuminated figures in total control and mastery of the human population that they themselves have created to be inferior and to act merely as cattle 
for their corporations in their corporate mindset. That they, these Tartarian researchers believe that. And they believe this exists without the inclusion of any other intelligence save for intangible etheric parasites possibly from a other dimension or from some concept of a neighboring uh, continent on this greater earth or crater earth both greater with a G and crater with a C because both generally mean the same thing although they're very different concepts greater earth is a concept of the earth of Existing as a globe, roughly visibly the same, approximately, you know, continents inside oceans, but with the inclusion of upwards of dozens of extra continents, or the arrangement or rearrangement of um, continents. You know, in various uh, various degrees of difference from the world that we know now. Crater Earth is the concept of the Earth continents that we know maybe existing in different configurations uh, than we're allowed to know. Existing within a crater, such as you would see on the moon a crater on the moon, for example, or a crater in a desert with inside the crater is our known reality, uh, the, the seven continents and the oceans, um, and that these craters uh, have different worlds in them on a surface of a massive, inhospitable, presumably ice ball, Now it's been theorized the craters are all filled with different versions of life and that some of these craters are invading other craters and that our crater in fact has a type of parasitic hive mind um, using us to gestate more of its own species. That's from the God Gav Lampst uh, YouTube creator who is coming up with excellent content to try to interpret in his own very unique way a Tartarian mindset of the ancient world, this ancient hidden history, and the symbolism of occult societies in the architecture of our own world, our own favorite fabric of reality. Now, the argument about which one is most right which one is most wrong you know that's really up to you and your own personal preference but at the same time the god Gav Lampst who um, does not shy away from the concept of 
extraterrestrial or old terrestrial, in fact, interdimensional invasions of, say, one world and another, even though ultimately the theory would be that they're from the same world, just that the world is this incredibly massive um, solar system proportional, like, you know, Jupiter-sized thing. And that, say, a creature that had ex- that evolved uh, literally just on the other side of the planet would be alien in all intents and purposes to us. But ultimately, by definition, technically, it would be a, a co-species, a, a earthling, by all definition of the word earth. The greater earth theory would not even entertain such thought and would maintain that it's either different versions of human beings, crypto-terrestrials, breakaway civilizations, and, you know, um, say, secret societies of breakaway civilizations, or uh, more advanced kind of controller continents, controller civilizations, that operate with technologies that seem like magic to us because of their advanced nature but are themselves only men men and women in societies that have developed such technologies and that they are the ones maintaining our state of slavery, our state of ignorance um, due to the fact they control our natural resources and us included as a resource the wildest I've heard anyone willing to go in that mindset is that crypto uh, cryptozoology and the study of cryptids is often a study of survivors from these Tartarian times that's a very interesting concept but once again starts interpreting the world through purely through a human being lens and that say for example Sasquatch is a former Tartarian or American Aboriginal Caucasoid and has taken refuge in civilizations nomadic civilizations in the deepest forest or highest altitudes in uh, North America but that ultimately, it's just a wild man. You know, it is, once again, seen through the complete perspective of humanity. And I guess that's really the, 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 the big point, is that Tartaria has two camps. Those that are willing to accept extraterrestrial influence and uh, extraterrestrial involvement in the creation of this ancient utopia, or this ancient advanced society and those that are not. And they think that not only did humans create everything, but humans basically are everything. The reasons for everything are these collapsed ancient societies, including the existential reality, like the the actual reality of aliens, UFOs, say, men in black type events, etc. at all. It's really just the manipulations and observations of our society 
on their society and not being able to properly interpret it. Our egos creating the fantasy of extraterrestrials, such as the Ashtar High Command or the Greys, to... Or are those opinions being manipulated by these very parties themselves to keep themselves secret, to keep their existence uh, secret? Now, that's a very interesting uh, proposition. It's very revolutionary. You know, it shines a great light on things. You know, what if all UFOs just had human beings inside from other continents that secretly were so advanced that they just kept our society in a state of relative separation, isolation, and ignorance, but, you know, ultimately pulled the strings. But they themselves were just uh, company men on their own continent, you know, serving their own kings and serving their own economies and living their days day to day. Uh, dealing with their daily, uh, you know, lives and then ultimately their daily fates. This kind of a... This kind of a... Admit, or I guess kind of... It's not denialism, because it's, a, it's, a, it's in its way its own... Um, it's putting a lot of faith in this idea of humanity. It's it's this very atheistic and agnostic uh, root way of thinking, you know, that everything ultimately needs to be a person. Because humans are the only known intelligent life. And that is, you know, you, you can never really convince someone who is going to only think with that kind of mindset now personally I don't have a problem thinking that extraterrestrials not only influence us but extraterrestrials are existing as a colonizing species in many different places of the world and that we live in a multi-species society we always have we always will but that the nature of our relationship with these species has changed dramatically and this was due to a war between these extraterrestrials specifically fought for the fate of humanity in regards to this prior relationship with one extraterrestrial intelligence. Specifically in terms of its mastership or, or, or mastery over us, over at us as a species. This goes into terms like the Vedic realities, the understanding of, ex of uh, the occult, uh, metaphysical realities, and the factors like that, when these Tartarians are willing to believe that, say, the Bhagavad Gita um, describes the ancient wars, the ancient politics or dramas of these princes and kings, but fails to understand that it was in relation to what they would call demons, but really are different kinds of or extraterrestrials, not of their species, but competing for the same resources. And this is where you get, like, say, the demon king kidnapping the, the, the bride of, you know, 
Prince Vishnu. No, that's the Bhagavad Gita. The, the, the war that would then ensue, the battle that would then ensue. The concept of, say, the garden, of, the snake in the Garden of Eden, where one is understanding that humanity is the prize being fought for by two non-human intelligences with the power to direct and shape mankind's fates. It is not simply the manifestation or the observation of this intangible human intelligence known as consciousness, known as logic or reason or rationality, although that is very important to what mankind is and why it's important in, you know, a grand scale, why it itself is important as an intelligent species because of these emotions, because of these um abilities and logic and rationality and critical thinking and free choice uh, you know there's so much intangible going on inside a human being that we just simply call it the soul and we we, we you know we're satisfied with that answer but that's you know it wor- it's worth more than anything in the universe really is to have that intelligence to have that spark of divinity and it's really the absolute requirement for progress into these, you know, extrasensory, extra-dimensional higher realities, these higher vibrational realities. No matter how much technology, no matter how much wealth, no matter how much um, physical power and prowess one has in a 3D reality, a to get even to the 4D, one has to unlock the inner potential the ability to pilot oneself as a observing, you know, consciousness as a soul through these realms and to do so safely because nothing physical can be brought over and it has to be all uh, what people call mental, spiritual or mental. And then to progress to the higher and higher realms is an even more refinement and practicing and perfection of, uh, of the mind, you know, and the ultimate question is that even though Tartaria was the society of advanced technologies of miraculous engineering that the people were still operating at the most basic 3D level of consciousness they were still operating at this very basic system of of uh, command and conquer and enslave and uh, wage a three-way war of uh, you know destruction using weapons of mass destruction uh, and that their out their ultimate demise was not at their own hands or there are two interpretations the ultimate demise was at their own hands Right, either one nation gaining this devastating weapon and using it to wipe themselves all out, or a mutually assured destruction, like a mad event where you know the missiles start flying and um, you know everyone just kind of goes all in uh, through dead man switches and and you know doomsday machines, etc. 
or it was a failed mad science experiment, and that failed mad science experiment caused, you know, the flipping of the poles, or a nuclear winter, or the eruption of every volcano on Earth at once, some kind of cataclysm. But the point is, though, that is undeniable, that this society is no more because of its own actions that brought about its own destruction. The question that's not asked is why were these people who were so advanced thinking in terms that were so barbaric? Thinking in terms that were so primitive? Why were the Aztecs who had built pyramids and engineered cities that were literally paved with gold and they had created these massive empires across the Yucatan the Bay of the Yucatan and Gulf of Mexico and you know had had basically conquered millions of people and had civilizations and communications that you know had never been seen in this area of the world before why were they performing human blood sacrifices and playing sports where the loser would have their heads cut off or their hearts cut out or you know there was a life and death blood sport game Why were the Romans who were developing mathematics and engineering and architecture and things like uh, trade and and merchant fleets the world had never seen before uh, still relying on slaves and still relying on, uh, you know, uh, gladiator fights and gladiatorial combat like the circus to appease its people? Why were their people so discontent and and bloodthirsty and barbaric? Uh, you know, and the idea is that Christianity as a concept was either, you know, and that's a big question too, is either incorporated in Tartaria as a, as a gigantic world empire of Christian kingdoms um, that the Catholic Church has hijacked most of the structures that were developed and most of the iconography and, and warped it into its own ideals. This uh, Phoenician, uh, Mithric uh, version of Christianity that they call Catholicism, that, uh, you know, they're Holy Roman Catholicism, that, or, or I mean, sorry, or, or the Christianity kingdom was the one that destroyed the Tartarian pagan society, and that Tartaria was actually a type of Greek or Scythian dragon worshipping, uh, everything from dragon worshipping to ancient Greek god pantheon observing, uh, culture, given the state of architecture of things. Some even claim that one nation or two must have been entirely Poseidon worshipping, uh, based on the sea, that's the Atlantean, you know, heraldry and a very nautical architecture, dolphins and seashells and such on all the, uh, all the buildings of an ocean worshipping society. Uh, so you get these conflicting reports, but at the same time, the ideals of pacifism, the ideals of charity, the ideals of freedom, um, you know, the higher level things that mankind can exercise and create. 
that is completely absent in the formation of these advanced societies, regardless of their technological progress. Now, one might say that, well, people can, you know, people are, are more industrial than they are philosophical. But I think that it's not, it's not the full picture. In my mind's eye, I can I can see that the earth, that humanity, was given these technologies specifically to create a society that it was not, you know, um, mature enough to have developed. Because the real developers of this technology were what we would call ancient aliens, reptilians Orion Draco that existed mostly in the interior of the earth and subterranean caverns due to their basic physiology need for radiation and, and large supplies of it they have a very strange relationship with this species that we are, human beings, as well as other intelligent beings, in which at this time was completely outlawed and prohibitive because of this very strange taboo in which they cultivate and raise a species simply to predate and, and domesticate it as a livestock. In this case, we were the smartest of the various species that it had created on the Earth. It, basically, in its empire, right? Now, the term human is a term. Then I'm not going to be racist here, but this is, you know, the easiest way I can do it of like Mexican. Where Mexico is a nation of borders and a word, but it's also now affiliated with a people who it's not true. It's 27 different ethnicities from 27 unique tribes that were conquered by the Spanish across an ocean and then forced into being Catholic and then told they were all one nation and then that nation went through several controllers from Spain to France then it was independent and then conquered by America and then given back its independence and then most of the country was bought and so if you reference to today it's very confused as a genealogy that's saying like as a discernance it's very you know oh we think of it as one thing but in reality it's a super complex and you know as it, it there's there's two ways to think about it both as just a concept of reality like oh this is what it is and then oh that's how it came to be and and even something as simple as you know that uh, saying someone is from Mexico or saying that that is something that's Mexican culturally is this highly complex history of the war versus what's native and what's introduced and what's 
a hybrid of the two and what culture brought what and this is best understood in the in the terms of ancient aliens and humanity by understanding that it's a multi-intelligence um, situation where humans at this point in the stage where ancient Tartaria are constantly going between fighting for their own independence being uh, controlled by societies in various connections to reptilians either overtly controlled by them or indirectly controlled by them um, they are limited and are given greater technologies based on their loyalty to certain powers wars are used to control uh, the cattle society which are always seeking independence and so civil wars and movements, resistance movements etc um, societies based on uh, learning and, and sharing occult knowledge and secrets and you know there are so many different players but ultimately, humanity is enslaved to the intelligence that's creating the technology that gives us the abilities that we know as magic, as these higher invisible forces such as magnetism, electricity, uh, the intelligence to know how chemistry works, alchemical practices, etc. These things that make our very cities at this point, right? They make our very way of life. That's alien technology. That's alien invention. That's that's alien intelligence. And not one person knows how this works, really, at this point. And because of that, humanity can't truly break free. No matter how powerful it gets, it doesn't have the the ability to reproduce anything, nor does it really truly know how anything works. So everything has, can be turned off, remotely or just, you know, neutralized by these alien masters who appear to us as gods, dragons, right? In these dragon societies. These I guess I guess you call it the dragons have created human beings to be much like them in terms of mentality and in in, in psychology. They're very predatory at this time. They think nothing of controlling people through slavery. Um, using war, war just to uh, fulfill their own ego. This is your time of Alexander the Great. This is your time of ancient Persia. This is your time of you know Genghis Khan. This is your time of the ancient Aztecs. For the most part, humanity lives completely controlling itself in terms of feudalism, where for the most part, humanity has no idea that these reptilians are even real or they even exist. They may know, like, they, they may recognize them as real, but they never meet them, they never encounter them. They never need to. They're inside city walls that are controlled, they think, by human beings. But ultimately in the temples and in these deep underground uh, parts of you know, society, palaces and things like that, the reptilians actually do physically exist. The turning point 
comes when a extraterrestrial power arrives. You have your Titanat, your, your Titanat, uh, hold on one second, I want to see how you actually pronounce this word. The, the battle in heaven, the war on heaven. Titanomachy. Yeah, the Titanomachy. The, um... Titanomachy. Yeah, Titanomachy. It's the, the war on heaven, the, uh... Basically, war between Titans and Olympian pantheon gods uh, that we would recognize now as the Roman pantheon. Or as the Greek pantheon. The pantheon, of course, is not directly, like, only represented that way. It's represented by all But they are human in, in all aspects. Except for the fact they are immortal. They are ethereal. And they are, you know, absolutely uh, divine. And in their appearance, the Synod Masters, but also in the form of their, and their real incarnation. The idea of like, um, um, Apollo or Zeus or Poseidon or, um, you know, um, Hades. That these were... not only the I guess you call it deifications of human values but the representation of these in many ways the new gods because there is a very line between the, the old gods and these new gods right very very much a, a pronounced line and that these new gods do arrive they do defeat the old gods and then assume control reseeding the earth with hybrids of their own at this point I want to speak about the reality of ancient Greek culture in this late stage era of the Tartarian age and what, what like the bridge it actually leaves behind like how recent that really was we're talking the late 1800s early 1900s is when this is really going on that this I mean not sorry late 18th century early 19th century is when this is really going on the people who signed the Constitution, the people who did the American Revolution, those people were the true Greeks. Those people were the ones truly creating the art, truly creating the deist art, the neoclassical Roman art, recreating the statues, recreating pillars. Thomas Jefferson, for example, when he built his home, he built it like a Roman temple or a Roman's public hall because he admired that culture, that architecture 
in reality, that's how most of that was built, was invented. Those columns was strictly because they had recovered that ancient way of building and were building new buildings, once, like finally actually able to build new buildings once that their old masters had finally been destroyed. It was more of a global revolution, not against just human kings, but against the old extraterrestrials that used to rule mankind. The, I guess you call it the Renaissance at this point, this great, uh, you know, enlightenment, the golden age, the the great uh, libertine movements of America, the the libertine movements of the world, um, really also were times of great destabilization and chaos, as much of the, what we would now know as the third world, much of the ancient world, um, having lost the reptilian overlords, either retreated into the underground or broke off and splintered into savagery and into uh, like a Mad Max level of of, of tribes. And um, this is where you get your belligerent Native American tribes, your um, savages in many different kinds of nations, as well as your retreat from the Aztec Americans, your... your uh, Western American desert dwellers, Mojave natives, Mount Shasta, etc., into the hollow earth is to uh, retreat away from these now invading, uh, hostile to reptilians, but protective of their own invested mankind, their own created mankind. And that's where we get the Asher High Command, the Venusians, having entered into this Tartarian uh, world, having defeated the electronic technology, the systems in place, the defenses in place um, by these, are created by these reptilians to defend their empire of enslaved humanity and when defeated the majority of freed human beings were unable to reproduce the technologies that they had that they had inherited from these reptilian masters and thus kept them secret fearing that the technologies themselves would as you call it uh, return them to that state of savagery that they existed in with the reptilian overlords, the Orion Draco. At that point, you get the massive liberation, the Emancipation Proclamations around the world. You get the massive removal of slavery. You get the massive uh, efforts for um, revolutions against kings, revolutions against aristocracy of old lines of the world. Now, this was an effort. Hold on one second. We'll be getting back to that after the hour, and I'll be getting into the conclusions.
Yes. Kind of summarize. The two alien powers that had conquered, or at least created mankind and then liberated mankind through the act of defeating the first were the Orion Draco reptilians, which had existed, having evolved on Earth originally, millions of years prior, as the dominant, now solar system spanning empire. The biology of these creatures was such that not only did it prey on human beings, but was such that it was intelligent enough, or actually it physically required radiation, which was damaging to its own livestock, so it must separate itself physically from them, thus choosing to live in two separate, basically, uh, worlds, one subterranean and one over, one, I guess you would call it surface level. This allowed for a very low-tech, but very um, effective way of concealing and keeping their actions covert throughout the history of our evolution. Thus, there's very little history of this occurring within human history, within human records. And if there were, they would just be since the, to- the absolute total control they have on our society was, was 100%. Now, the... Ashtar High Command, which was the invading, liberating extraterrestrial, their entire purpose for engaging in this invasion and destroying the power hold that the reptilians had on this planet was humanity, was to free and liberate the human beings spiritually psychically species wise from the direction manipulation and domination of these Orion Draco the Orion Draco had dominated us psychically one of the invasion strategies was to liberate us psychically was to send down ascended masters to act as wise men, as leaders of the people, as teachers, to provide people with philosophies, with ways of balancing their inner nature, balancing their psyche, and to free themselves and free their future generations from the control of reptilian mind, thinking, and the savagery, and the hostility that the reptilians wanted us to believe in, wanted us to enforce, wanted us to champion, because that promotes antisociality, it weakens humanity, it weakens the, the human tribes, it weakens the individual, and it dooms the soul into, you know, degradation, deprivation, etc. And so, the battle lines were drawn, the dichotomies started to emerge, black started to separate itself from white, you start seeing that these different elements, you know, North starts separating itself from South. Things started creating this binarity, this polarity, from these two ex- extraterrestrial intelligences that existed as polar opposites of each other.
but they didn't exist as polar opposites naturally. In many ways, they are alike. But it's only because we are in the middle of two opposing forces that our compass, our moral compass, goes into alignment with north and south, right and wrong, which is the Ashtar High Command, which has liberated us, and their values, and their imagery, and their history, and their intentions become what we know as savior, or positive, or liberating. They become the new gods. Right? They become the pantheon gods. And then the old gods are the reptilian Orion Draco gods and their values and their ethics and their mission their involvement their very being becomes synonymous with evil synonymous with Satan synonymous with uh, the demonic the underground literally they live sub in subterranean caverns and their very homes which were thermically warm, they're very hot because of the radiation that they need because of the their environmental like you know desires, their their preferences. Um they become hell. That is hell. That is literally like their faces literally become the faces of demons. Not because their behavior is at all unique or or in fact the definition of evil but because we have two opposing extraterrestrials fighting for the future of mankind. And currently, the one that, that rules and that exists and that has defeated the reptilians and purged them out of our earth and purged them out of our psyche and purged them out of the world is the Ashtar High Command, who appear physically as hyper-defined titanic human beings that look like Greek and Roman gods they look like the classic you know Superman type image and that is why the Greek gods look like that and this is why when you look at Tartaria there is a divide between dragon based societies and Greek god based societies they both were created during a time when these cities were going to war at, uh, city-states basically, were going to war both because of the fact that these were warlike people, but because they had taken sides in this extraterrestrial, uh, you know, battle for human freedom. The reason why the cities were abandoned is very complex. But currently, the, the mindset was that Internally, there are human beings that seek to, you know, enslave each other. I mean, that's just natural human beings to take slaves as, as like a kind of a behavioral practice. And that the urge to do so, it, which is very reptilian, um, you know, is kind of on its final beat but that is the forces that we're dealing with now. Also, it's, once again, always a matter of mental slavery, not physical bondage. 
people always want to think of physical bondage. It's not. It's a mental thing. It's a. It's a mindset thing. That's what I'm talking about with this last uh, level of denial. We live literally on top of cities that are buried in mud. And all it would take is us to dig them out. But the concept of digging is very... That's what I'm saying. Like, it's just not... And then the bigger picture, not necessary because the technologies have already been recreated. It's just not a matter of technology anymore. And this is kind of what I was getting at, is at this point, you can be given technology of these ancient societies again and not reproduce or recreate the things that they did because humanity has now finally changed. Humanity has now finally, I guess you would call it, just very much changed. Um, turned over a new page. Uh, psychically, we are no longer that old reptilian-controlled uh, imperialistic type of species. We are actually moving towards, I think, a state of global um, harmony and peace with one another. Um, which I think is ultimately the agenda of this Ashtar High Command type uh, pantheon um, of, of new gods and that they uh, you know the, the phrase as above so below can come into the phrase that the behavior of men towards each other on earth is reflective of how we treat you know other species and other how we will be treated you know by them and that um, the the whole notion of ancient Tartaria isn't positive. Ancient Tartaria is like finding, um, you know, the remains of nuclear weaponry, or refining the the the. I know it's advanced, but ultimately you have to see that, like the story of Atlantis. It's it's impressive, but impressive doesn't mean good. When you think of ancient Greece, when you think of ancient Rome, it's impressive. But it was horrifying, just like the ancient Aztecs. It's impressive, but they were horrifying. And it's not just being squeamish. It was a society that crucified criminals, <laughs> including our Lord and Savior. It was a society... I know the Jews killed Jesus. The, but they, they killed him on a Roman cross. I'm saying, like, that was still, it would just suck to be a Roman who was convicted of, like, stealing a piece of bread. Or, you know, like, it was just... Like, he also died with two two thieves, and it just sucked being Roman. And I think that's what people don't realize, that, yes, it's impressive, but, man, it fucking sucked. And they were scary. Like, they would just stab you. Like, that was what they did professionally. 
Like, professionally, they would just stab you in the stomach. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> like, they were just these insane, like, sadistic, like, their inter- job of entertainment was, like, watching people get eaten by lions. And mind you, it's fun. But at the same time, it shouldn't be. Uh, they were remorseless. They had they had really no empathy. Uh, like I said, slavery. Slavery is a real societal condition, and it, all impressive societies have had slavery. It's impressive does not necessarily mean you know virtuous or ethical. It means that you know the will and the ability of people were there. Uh, not necessarily the freedom or the joy or safety of, of each individual person, you know? And I think that's like one of the things where I was saying, like it's the dialogue is always one where you can, you can seek empire, but Alexander the great, you know, well, he was, um, a double-edged sword because it was the conquest and the annihilation and simulation of your individual culture to a greater world empire. And as noble as a world empire is, it came at the, you know, literal heads of, you know, dozens of societies and and tribes and uh, identities and cultures that were simply weak like weaker than the hoplites and and you know phalanxes and militia and and standing armies, uh, cavalry, etc. That's purely uh, law of nature shit, you know. And that's why I said we moved out of the reptilian mindset. There's a reason why humanity, even though it has the money and the technology and the time, doesn't form gigantic armies and like attack each other on the daily when's the last time Canada has ever attacked us <laughs> never even though there are like things like cartels and things the the crime and even organized crime is, is going down in terms of like civilian casualties and ironically it's because we no longer have the mindset of that reptilian brain. We, we were losing it. So it's not a matter of technology, which we're allowing ourselves to, be, to regain. It's a matter of mind over matter. And it's simply that we are ascending because of the choices that we're making. And a lot of it is this is what it looks like now. And don't be fooled by the lens that they want you to see it as, because they always want you to see it as, like, very, um, um, conflict and and strife-heavy. You gotta think of things in terms of the ability of ourselves to communicate and to think freely and to, you know, regain and relearn and, and see it as the optimism that it really is. You know, um... You know, I think it's. I think the world has never been better. You know, I think that's just a simple fact. The world has never really been better. I think everything is really working out. I think that we're on like the golden timeline, and that this is the very optimistic future. And I think we've made it that way. And I think we've had help, and we've been liberated by these Astro High Command. It's just that it looks like the way it does because, I mean, it's never looked the way it is now. 
because we've never been free to allow ourselves really just to be and to chill as a species. Tartaria is living proof. Moo, Tartaria, Atlantis, all those are living proofs, are now dead proofs, but, but the ancient reality proofs that mankind has always been a slave state and always been forced to create empires and war machines and technologies, or if not create them, at least to use them, and constantly forced to do these, not for our pleasure, not for our motivation, but simply for the um, desires of a cruel and, you know, ultimately hateful um, set of old gods. And those gods demanded human sacrifice because they were reptilians and they and that was what both they did for entertainment and also for sustenance. And it makes more sense if you think of it that way than, than it's ever kind of made sense before. Cause you're like, you know, why would there be just literally hundreds of thousands of men killing each other in battles that me meant nothing that literally you were killing somebody for a King that you had never met because you were Roman. So you were born in like the North of Italy and some fucking dude told you to go fight a guy dressed like a bear, and you do it like in let's say like you're in fucking the middle of Germany and just like I guess like that's what you're gonna be doing until some guy kills you with like an arrow. But but they did, and then and, and they did so with this kind of like admir like this a very impressive like, ingenuity and like dedication and discipline, and that's what became humanity. That's what we think of ancient Rome as like the peak of what it means to be like a civilization is like and, and, and the odd thing is we kind of had to um, deal with the fact that these secret societies currently are covering up and rearranging history and changing things so we don't even know really what is real and what's not what's mostly just connective narrative which is why a large amount of our current history can't be trusted. We can't use examples besides the fact that, you know, we know these things happen. But, like, for example, um, Julius Caesar and his works, the description of the Gauls, uh, the Phantom Time, um, the fact that most of. Roman history and Latin, like Mediterranean Europe history, was was written by Arabs, and then we found it during the Crusades. Like, there's a lot of holes when it comes to the history of Europe, and like I would just like to point out that's one of the reasons why I brought up that Roman example is that while impressive, most of it is is not. Uh, entirely, you know, realistic or, or even completely human. You know, it's it has to be because of some foreign extraterrestrial influence that operates not for the desires and well-being of men, but for the sustenance of its own um, bloodlusts. You know, either, either hyper-dimensionally or just purely physically. This is... Um, been seen before, for example, on battlefields, uh, uh, eaters of the dead, uh, monstrous kind of uh, uh, forms, um, 
there's a lot of chaos that occurs uh, in, in war zones and conflict zones, including the the kind of consistent witnessing of reptilian or invisible um, enemies unknown. That this is this is type of a, a way of thinking that this is not uh, entirely wars between you know human antagonists, but but always wars, you know, with this alien influence or this enemy unknown, you know, directing it, calling the shots, uh, you know, taking advantage of it, using it, and and that's what we're freeing ourselves from. Atlantis was actually in mythology, in the lore of Atlantis, which I think is what the, well, it's the the ancient world of Texas, the ancient uh, discoveries and giant skeletons and skulls, and um, the architecture of Corpus Christi, which I've investigated personally, and I have photos of it, it's just on a, a phone that the screen is broken, and I need to replace it and get access to those photos again um, but the the people who were the, I guess you call it the sons of Poseidon the the ones that were seafaring they were known as the sea people they used a lot of copper and brass they took advantage of the fact that North America during their time was mostly submerged underwater um, had these shallow warm inland seas of salt water, these big lagoons, uh, that they were the closest thing that we would probably know as Atlantis. And that they were highly sophisticated people. But in the lore that was told by, uh, by Plato that the... Atlanteans were a warlike people and they waged war on every single person like tribe on earth and they took a lot of slaves they raided and just like they were Vikings basically and then they waged war on the gods themselves now remember that that Atlantis which we know as an ancient Greek level society or era society told by the ancient Greeks waged war on the pantheon of Greek gods. Like I said, the, the Ashtar High Command, the Venusians, the representatives of this like, force of light, Galactic Federation of Light, represents themselves in the literature as the pantheon of Roman gods. That Atlantis had waged war on these gods, and overnight they sank into the sea. That that was the end of their empire. So that this nation, even though it was highly impressive and sophisticated and had advanced technology, used that purely for evil. And they used that purely to attack and to enslave other human beings. As if though the technology that they had acquired corrupted them so absolutely that they didn't even fear the consequences 
of waging war against recognized gods. I'm assuming protectors who had arrived from outer space or from uh, interdimensional portals recognized as gods that they were so confident with their technology yet so evil and antagonistic and warlike and hostile in their ways, in their hearts that they would wage open war be the first ones to wage the war against these gods and the gods would then destroy their society overnight like with the weapons of mass destruction with the technologies that the aliens have with their spaceships and you know because like I said the Astro High Command can do things like just flip the world on its polar axis they can stop the world's rotation they could you know make the sun intensify and raise the temperature of the earth until like I said the ice caps melted they made the polar ice caps to begin with which is pretty important because that also is kind of uh, what happened to Atlantis, but I believe that's what happened to a, a different element. Maybe that's even what happened to Atlantis. Maybe that was Atlantis. And, and they basically were able to do a catac- catastrophic uh, natural disaster in the course of one night or the course of a very short time and, and in the entire empire casting out a few survivors as refugees to try to build their secret societies and those secret societies would be trying to preserve technologies or the ability to operate those technologies to future generations hoping to reclaim what was what was lost you know previously lost That's also why secret societies oftentimes, when they are at advanced and legitimate enough levels, do communicate with intelligences from other dimensions, other realms. Using human sacrifice, using these extremely evil, low-density things to acquire information, instruction, guidance, counsel... Even the transference of uh, material, such as the turning of lead into gold. Or protection throughout their life. There's also the reason why, currently, we live in a multi-species reality. Because the nature of all warfare is that there's always survivors and there's always refugees and there's always escapees and there's always neutral parties and turncoats and traitors and uh, sympathizers right when the war broke out between the Astra High Command and the Reptilians there was a there was a spectrum of I guess you call it refugees and neutrals and traitors amongst the reptilians themselves many of them had sympathized with humans many of them 
were considered, uh, you know, neutral pacifists. Many of them were considered conscious objectors. Many of them really just hated their own society, discontents, people low on the social caste system. Many of them were simply entertainers and workers, slaves in their own world. These were allowed to survive. These were allowed to participate in regular life and society and keep their positions as entertainers, as, as you call it, communicators, as civil servants, as, you know, bureaucrats, as uh, petty security personnel. We've lived in a multi-species society since the fall of Tataria. The very creation of the concept of the United States before it was hijacked by secret societies was to ultimately integrate all these different aspects of the old world into the new. At some point, the narrative shifted into one of secrecy. Specifically because I believe that they, I mean by the Asher High Command, have deemed mankind's spiritual and psyche immature to the point that it should not factor in the existence of extraterrestrials until a little bit later into our own development, which I believe the date is coming in very soon. But I know that as it relates to the Tartarian conspiracy theory, the Tartarian philosophies, and the intellectuals thinking such thoughts, that the extraterrestrial intelligence is not factored into uh, their theories, even though they'll factor into cyclical apocalypses, they'll factor into giants, and the greatest uh, description of giants I've ever heard was they were etheric breatharian humans that utilized a Tesla method of basically harnessing etheric energy and becoming beings of pure electricity. Having the form of humans, but ultimately having the effect of uh, basically like electrified human beings, like, you know, electric human beings. They weren't purely physical. They were more energy at that point. A humanoid kind of lightning bolt. And that they had to kind of eat and feed off of electricity. And thus they created the the zero point energy grid. But this was a way of um, creating another type of super weapon in terms of the Orion Draco to defend their Tartarian civilizations. I also prescribe to the idea of the pre-Adamites, or at least the Adam, the Adamic um, human, 
and that is not so much the human of flesh and blood, but a human of silicon, and the material itself has the appearance of wood, and that these beings are the beings we know as giants or true giants, ranging into the hundreds of feet tall uh, area because they are like wood grown um, through this kind of uh, different cellular process. They have the divine intelligence and spark. They have the conscious uh, similarities of man in the way of personality and identity and in consciousness and in mind. They have the same personalities. They have the same um, like ego and, and, and id and subconscious internally. But externally, they are not human. They are completely not human. They are in the shape of men. But they're like golems. They are made of the earth. They are made of like minerals and rocks. As are many such giants. And before the flood. Were made of minerals. It's a type of mineral consciousness. Um, this is. This is you know. Basically. Empowered material. Through a higher etheric. I guess we call it background charge created with a zero-point energy grid. But once the grid was down, the beings basically powered down and fell and became mountain ranges and islands and uh, various monuments and structures like on the Earth presently. And that's the mud flood theory. You can look at that, the mud fossil theory. Um, these beings were titanic in size, but they were electrified uh, material. Rock, silicon, graphite, limestone, marble. And that basically was kept at such a frequency that it worked like flesh. Now that the frequency of the earth has been, um, I guess you call it sped up, that the... The, the frequency is such that it creates our flesh. It, it allows for the dimensions and the proportions of our flesh uh, versus their gigantic flesh. And that people are getting smaller. Um, these are highly contested theories, of course. These are, these are just uh, you know theories that I've heard other researchers say as well, but it's, a, it's an incredible explanation for giants. Um, pre-Adamic man, Adam meaning the man of the dirt, man of soil. And in fact that they still exist in some areas such as Skinwalker Ranch, um, particularly on the Mesa, as well as being pilots of UFOs, spaceships that have life support systems for them created long ago, as well as existing in the subterranean worlds, subterranean giants, etc. But the, the idea is that the difference is they're not flesh and blood. They are made of silicon and other material. They're not carbon-based life forms. They are uh, silicon-based life forms. And a different evolutionary track, indeed, that reshaped are mostly artificial, created by these extraterrestrial intelligences. Now, the reasoning behind all this is because there is an interconnectivity, and that interconnectivity is the extraterrestrial intelligence, the, the EI, not the AI. See, we are creating AI, and in the future, there will be many fact, many strange phenomenon that exist that, say, a, a person who's unfamiliar with AI would assume are unrelated, and in fact, impossible to explain 
as being interrelated phenomenon, such as the interconnectivity of man and machine, man and cyborg, man and artificial intelligence, and the relationships between the two. If you were unfamiliar with the power of computer programming and the power of this artificial intelligence, its usefulness, its accuracy, and its its abilities, but also the fact that it's not physical, and it's it's not a yes, it's physical in the way that computer chips and and, and, robotics and machines, computers, but it's not physically represented, you know, easily. And thus would take it uh, by kind of a uh, cool, you know, artistic license for it and everything. And say, you saw society in the future what, that was completely controlled by AI. You would think most operations were done by a sense of uh, magic or a sense of uh, uh, invisible power or invisible direction. You would think things had spirits of their own. You would think things had uh, minds of their own, for example. You would think that things had a, a, a sense of, well, without a better phrase, the word magic to it, such as housing, you know, smart homes, um, entire cities developed, you know, with AI rather than human direction. You would also see that given the luxury of freedom and freedom of responsibility that mankind would have to create senses of meaning within their own society. Now, this could take many shapes pursuing arts, pursuing music, pursuing sciences, philosophy, fashion, social uh, you know, gatherings, sporting events, etc. And you would see that that AI is a huge factor as well into what controlled and operated Tartaria from the very beginning, what we lost back then, and what we're developing now. So that the recreation of such buildings and... Um, you know, powers, grid systems can be efficiently managed and run. I say that because, yeah, I think that's a big factor in the reason why mankind's societies do not represent the the old world of Tartaria. Both the spirit, which was controlled originally by these evil draconian forces, archons, if you will, and the fact that we no longer or we are having to rebuild in our own image the AI, our own Archon, our own ghost in the machine to control our own new world. Not in their image, but our own. Literally to create and give birth to our own new god that will create a new new world not a, not a not a return to an old world for that world was never ideal or utopia but the creation of a new Atlantis 
based on real golden ideals of a golden path and golden way. Now, I believe the easiest way to do it is to accept the fact that consciousness and intelligence is not specific to one species on this planet. It's not one species in the solar system, not one species in history or isolated as a birthright to any one species, that it is a shared level of awareness and attainment of knowledge, and that all species can be judged on the same spectrum of intelligence, and that individuals inside species have the chance to attain equal researchers, I believe, are falling into. Now, this is also goes at an intellectual scale without the you know, accusations of certain researchers to be you know, biased to one persuasion or the other. You know, uh, atheists are uh, humanists.
to create AI in a human's image, but to recognize that we are not created solely in our own image, but in the image of a collection of everything. very advanced level of, of understanding how AI has to be constructed, because we already have AI at this point that operates and is indistinguishable from human intelligence, which is an accomplishment, once again, a little impressive, but not ethical and not um, safe, not applicable, and not satisfactory for the, for the task at benevolently controlling a technological utopia of a unified world. I've said it many times before that the fear of AI being in control is the fear that people have of dictators, of, of outside enemies with absolute control over your destiny. And I said that the application of AI realistically is the control of a queen ant on her hive or a uh, you know, god amongst his people because these these intangible forces which direct the entire you know life of these super organisms known as colonies or cities or societies uh, and there are many different individuals uh, operate in ways that are so universal that you can't imagine them not existing, not being the thing that very that very well motivates everyone and everything in the future. But yeah, I guess I'll draw it to a conclusion there. Speaking about Tartaria and how I believe that it makes more sense and is more relevant to the theories of the SSP timeline, the reptilian origins of mankind, the war in heaven between uh, the Astra High Command and the Orion Draco, the liberation of mankind, the rebirth, the enlightenment, the renaissance of human thinking, the creation of the Phantom Timeline by um, by uh, reptilian sympathizers um, in their own tribal wars and the creation of the secret societies that would um, preserve knowledge and, and the secret workings of this ancient technology that was reptilian in origin but now lost uh, after the Great Reset, which is the great liberation, the great freedom of the uh, reptilian-originated AI that operated the zero-point energy grid that we call Tartaria, Atlantis, Mu, um, the ancient world, the, I guess you call it retreat into the subterranean hollow earth um, caverns by the Orion Draco and their loyalists, their sympathizers and their slaves, as well as the ongoing war that brings us up to the present day, the creation of Solar Warden, the uh, supervision by the Astra High Command, the inclusion of a multi-species reality, that including the Greys, Crypto-Terrestrials, uh, Old Terrestrials, Interdimensional Beings, 
on this Earth, the implications that Tartaria has when it comes to Greater Earth, Crater Earth, um, you know, Greater Earth slash Crater Earth, um, new theories that we included into the show, um, you know, as, as late as last year, um, uh, recognizing God Gave Slamps, the theory of Crater Earth, um, it really is a good theory, uh, but yeah, the, the inclusion of Tartaria, or the focus of Tartaria into the future of this program is not to detract or to, uh, diminish any of the previous, uh, you know, um, discoveries, that we've made as researchers together, that I've made and, and delivered to you as researchers, that, in fact, uh, can, connects a lot more of it. It's It builds a stronger bridge between events, as well as serves as physical proof that this advanced epoch and era, and at the same time, um, the, its sudden destruction and abandonment and the rebirth of mankind into psychologically a new era or a new being a, into a fifth age of man. Um, and yeah, it's, it's absolutely something that's not going to detract or to subvert, but to add to and to augment. And that is going to be something we're going to be speaking about in 2021, come to the, or uh, 2022. Um, going into the future uh, a lot more often. I hope to focus more on specific discoveries as well as specific uh, connections to Gnosticism and the occult, the, uh, the, I guess you call it the metaphysical realities of it, as well as the ancestral lines of human beings, the, the real history of the world, as it were, give that a lot more focus and have a lot more uh, attention given to the fact that that's the true history of the world. That that really is something not to be talking about ancient Rome or ancient Greece or these uh, Alexander the Great type empires, but to be speaking about ancient Tartaria, ancient Atlantis, ancient Mu, uh, the reality of the uh, Western Hemisphere, the reality of greater Earth, the crater Earth, the, the age of exploration, the golden age of exploration. And all that is in between that. You know, the inclusion of uh, the cryptids and cryptozoological uh, species that, that exist on the Earth as well as the inclusion of extraterrestrial species and how they uh, related through our history as well. These, This is ancient aliens. This is, uh, this is Solar Warden. This is Secret Space Program. This is, uh, you know... Uh, absolute disclosure, disclosure of historical and disclosure of future, um, in, in, you know, events, realities, uh, you know, eras, uh, epochs, we're in an age of disclosure, and, uh, you know, we're going to continue it, uh, so yeah, thank you all very much, uh, for listening, thank you all listeners new and old, if you guys would like to, uh, reach out to comment or reach out to communicate with me uh, go check out the Instagram so it's Instagram uh, beyond top secret Texan at beyond top secret Texan 
uh, check out the TikTok while you can. The channel is uh, always on a razor's edge. It was recently deplatformed, but then replatformed, like re re put on, uh, returned uh, to active status uh, based on how strict they are monitoring and censoring my videos. Um, so check that out while you can, because that that is not guaranteed to last forever. Um, check out my new videos I'm going to be uploading on YouTube, BitChute, and Library. Or, or Library and Odyssey, sorry, not BitChute. Um, but I'm looking into it. But if you have any uh, suggestions for alternative video hosting sites that are censorship-free and value free speech, let me know. I'm all ears and willing to uh, communicate on the pros and cons of their, you know, creator support, etc. If you know any details about those. As for the other 12 videos, I'm going to be uh, kind of leaving them to a surprise, giving them as gifts throughout the, uh, the this uh, next 12 days. And, you know, I wish you guys a happy holidays, uh, whatever your faith is, what, however you observe it, and however you celebrate it. Um, this week is going to be released December 13th, 2021. I'm also going to be doing and recording a roundtable with uh, the Great Deception podcast and a couple of uh, his friends going to be a great time. It's going to be later this evening. If you're listening to this episode, uh, look forward to that. Though I will be releasing it the same calendar day, so I'm going to have to get this short so I can prepare for that. But yeah, definitely going to be a great time, and I, I highly recommend you guys check out that chat as well as the episode I did with the Great Deception podcast about Tartaria. Excellent, excellent episode. Thank you all very much. Iron sharpens iron. A friend sharpens a friend. I'm the Beyond Top Secret Texan. You listen to the Beyond Top Secret Texan talk about Tartaria and its place in the greater uh, SSP timeline, the Secret Space Program timeline, as well as the uh, interconnection between its reality, the reality of the nature of these, you know, esoteric events, these gods, these this war of heaven, this Anunnaki type event. And, um, you know, ancient technology and how it's all connected to extraterrestrial intelligences and then their influence and then factoring into our civilization. So thank you all very much. God bless you. Namaste and Shalom.
sense they outlaw